0: Hi, this is the Mentoring Lab Podcast, where we create a Work BFF mentoring movement, one episode at a time. Here are your hosts, Sarah and Kelly.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Mentoring Lab Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelly. And today we have a special guest, Jennifer Catalo from LinkedIn. Welcome, Jennifer.
2: Woo!
1: So excited to be here. (laughs) We're excited to have you here. So just want to tell everyone a little bit about how I met you. Um, It was a serendipitous um, meeting, if you will. I was at a project management conference um, in Philadelphia, I believe it was. And Jennifer was giving a presentation on how to best use LinkedIn. So I had um, followed her on LinkedIn. Smart thing to do. Follow the experts. And... (laughs) uh, (laughs) Um, Sarah and I were talking and I was like, oh, it'd be really great to have Jennifer come on and talk about how to better leverage LinkedIn for your networking and building your tribe. So, Jennifer, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at LinkedIn? Yeah, happy to. And thank you again for having me. Um, so, I was uh, I was
2: initially brought into LinkedIn to oversee um, the rollout and implementation of the largest higher educational contract uh, LinkedIn had signed with Uh, eCampus Ontario here in Canada, Um, the Ontario government had funded uh, access for all of the 44 colleges and universities to get LinkedIn learning for their staff, faculty, and students. So when I interviewed for the role and discussed my experience uh, in the past with overseeing these larger kind of consortium implementations, I identified students as a key component of the success of the implementation, which actually, I'd never really seen um, before. And so, my intention was to design and implement a LinkedIn Learning Student Champions program. And so, I was really given the freedom to do that uh, when they hired me. And I started with a series of pilots to kind of ensure that students were recognizing the importance of networking and the importance of developing their skills. Um, and those that kind of program expanded from Canada out into the United States and into Europe. And now, you know, it's it's it has an entire team dedicated to overseeing it. So uh, the work I did did a really good job of kind of setting up valuable kind of programmatic approaches um, to how to oversee and, and roll out uh, a software like LinkedIn Learning across larger um, across larger groups. And at the same time, I became involved in the in our internal program, uh, referred to as LinkedIn ambassadors. Um, And so I became the site lead here in Toronto um, to train and support volunteer employees who wanted to support um, nonprofits, students, employment agencies, anyone within the community, really, in better utilizing LinkedIn um, and really make the most of their presence on LinkedIn. And that's kind of how I became part of the PMI conference. And that's where I met Kelly because I was participating in this from a volunteer perspective. Um, And then last year, my colleague who was on the sales side uh, was leaving for maternity leave. And here in Canada, you get at least a year for maternity leave. So they were looking. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I was waiting for that response. (laughs) And she said, Um, she said at
1: least a year, year. not up to at least. least. Oh my (laughs) word. Amazing.
2: So they were looking for someone to take over her role on the sales side. uh, And that's referred to internally as a hybrid. So you're both an account executive and a relationship manager. And in this case, it would be with partners across higher educational institutions in Canada. And so they asked me if I would consider it. And I thought, um, I was really fearful um, of the role. I had many reservations about being in sales. I had big misconceptions and an image of a CD salesperson in mind. And I wasn't sure it was the right fit. Um, but I decided to take a chance because I felt that fear. Um, and so uh, the the transition came with a, a really steep learning curve. All of a sudden I had significant, more much larger significant territory to cover and I had revenue responsibilities so I decided to bring like a beginner's mind to it um, really bring humility to the role and tell people like this is the first time I'm doing this so like guide me and support me if you can and I was able to quickly kind of accelerate um, in the role and I exceeded my quota Um, but at the same time I didn't I didn't put that ahead of what I find to be most important, which was prioritizing the development of deep relationships. So I continue to do that with all of my customers. And so right now, that's that's the, the role I'm currently in on the sales side.
1: Wow, that is amazing. I really love the way you put the um, beginner role approach to it because normally when people are taking on, like you said, new scary assignments, you think that you have to go into it knowing everything, and you went into it with. Um, a little bit of natural fear, but enough confidence to be like, I know I can do this and I'm just going to be up front and say, I'm going in with the beginner role. So I really, really appreciated that. Um, so we're curious, how did you get a job at a company like LinkedIn? Because that's like a big, big corporation to us.
2: <laughs> yeah, so um, interestingly enough, I, uh, I didn't have LinkedIn Premium. So I didn't have any of the benefits or insights that often come with that access. Um, But when LinkedIn does post uh, opportunities, oftentimes it will identify who the recruiter is on the opportunity. And oftentimes you can find that information out when you look at the description. Um, So I reached out to the recruiter uh, and just said, you know, I I think it would be an opportunity that uh, I might be a good fit for. And I'd love to have a conversation to learn more about it. Um, and then, you know, the recruiter and I got along really well. Uh, we had great conversation. And then he suggested me to the hiring manager and then it took it from there.
1: Wow. That is awesome. That is very impressive. Um, so let's jump into some of the LinkedIn things that we're really curious about. Like, from your experience, what are the things that you think people like the first thing, the best thing, the smartest thing that people should do once they get on LinkedIn? What would your recommendations be? Um, I think,
2: understand why you want to spend time on LinkedIn. Uh, I think if there is one resource that we have all recognized through the pandemic is the non-renewable resource of time. Uh, So understanding why you want to spend that time on LinkedIn, understanding the power of LinkedIn and understanding what you hope to achieve. So maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you're looking to build connections. Maybe you're looking to learn about a new industry. Maybe you're looking to build your own content. Maybe you're looking to recruit people into projects or opportunities. Maybe you're looking for a mentor. Um, or what I like to call like a, 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 your own board of directors. Um, once you understand why, all of these kind of different objectives have one thing in common. You have to begin with a foundation. Um, and that's your profile. Uh, probably the most important thing is to understand your why, have those objectives uh, clear in your mind, and then really focus initially on your profile. And I think there's two main reasons why you want to focus on your profile. The first one is when you're creating your profile and you're iterating on your profile, it in and of itself is an exercise in reflecting on your experiences. And we often don't take the time to do that. At least I never really did. Um, so setting up your profile gives you the opportunity to really sit back and think, okay, what are my objectives? What am I passionate about? What drives me? What purpose do I serve? Uh, what is it? What story do I want to tell people about um, my professional identity? And, because you re- I rarely took the time to really understand what drove me, sitting back and really thinking through how I want to present myself on LinkedIn, uh, it helped me better understand, you know, I am from an industry or I've been working in an industry, e-learning for a little over 20 years. And what is it that I provide that someone else, probably just as capable as me, doesn't? So on my profile, I wanted to tell a story where uh, I made clear that my passion comes from working as an entrepreneur. I love to create new ideas and solve them, solve problems associated with with those um, you know those opportunities to really pilot um, uh, different options to really think through. I I am a leader without formal authority. I've never had a team that I I direct, but I lead from a a space of no formal authority, which I think is even more challenging. Um, And I am first and foremost a champion of others. I I think my biggest kind of uh, driver is seeing other people succeed. So, taking the time to reflect on all of that and then having a space to communicate it does an incredible job in really helping you understand why you're on LinkedIn and what you can offer. And so the second reason I think the profile is probably that baseline or that first thing that you need to do is it helps others kind of decide if they wanna be connected to you, right? It helps others see, are are you an applicant worth exploring? Are you an individual who prioritizes learning? Are you a connection worth having? Are you someone whose story resonates that and who has credibility that I might want to connect with? And so I think the the profile and really telling your, your professional story is, is probably key, no matter your objective.
1: I remember that from our conversation. Um, I call it LinkedIn 101 that Jennifer gave me. You want to do this. You want to use these words. You want to frame it like that. Just invaluable, invaluable advice that I received from her. And that's why you're someone I'm never going to let out of my network. So you're you're in for life.
0: <laughs> um, just to like, piggyback on what you said, uh, Jennifer, I felt exactly what you were just saying, because I have been guilty. I work in employee and organizational development. Again, huge, I love to see people succeed. That's what I'm passionate about, especially helping other women, um, you know, move on to bigger and better things, whatever that looks like for them but I've been guilty of the last couple of years. You know, I've had people tell me and specifically my partner, he's like, you got to get on LinkedIn. You got to get your your profile. It's so underutilized um, for networking, just opportunities. Um, and he, and he just kept pushing me and pushing me. And I was like, oh, I'll get to it. And I finally spent some time, I guess, in the last month or two, really looking at it. And I just, I probably spent a little too much time because the about section before Red like kind of of like an introduction to my resume. Hi, I have 15 years of experience. These are my 10 values that I can help you. So I deleted all that. And I just have a really short paragraph right now, but it was just basically what you said. Like I put in there, what value I bring and what I'm passionate about re-energizing, motivating, supporting others in their career journey. And, and just listing like a very short thing about that. And I do have some things in mind that I, I kind of want to add on to that to continue to build my brand. So what advice would you give someone who um, either has a LinkedIn profile or, and it's maybe probably needs to be revamped or looked at or hasn't developed one yet? I tend to be a perfectionist and I tend to be like, I'm not going to write anything until I have the perfect words or the perfect verbs in it. Um, What advice would you give someone other than me? I would just tell them, just do it. Just put something out there to not be afraid to put what they're passionate about or what they... what. they can bring to the table like what advice would you give them especially in that about section um and that header to try to catch other people's attention
2: yeah that's a great call it particularly the header and the about the about take took me and mind you i've iterated on my about section probably a good 40 50 times okay Um, good thank you for the honesty on that because i don't feel as weird doing that and mine's only a a smidge paragraph Yeah, but I mean, we change, right? And our our objectives change, and we we adapt and we learn new things. And so I like to think of the profile as that constant living document, that thing that you get to iterate over and over. And over time, you know, I never really understood um, I never really understood my leadership uh, abilities because I always had tied the conception of a leader with a title. And then I still Mm -hmm. started to learn about servant leadership and I was like, I am a servant leader. Yeah, it's not in my title, but that's what drives me. Um, so I think, you know, seeing it as something that's a living document that you can iterate over and over takes away the pressure that it has to be this, this perfect thing that has to be done. And I think the second thing is like really just looking at, um, you know, this is an opportunity to, uh. Focus in on what it is that you want to bring and what it is that that drives you. Because if you're not highlighting that and you're not clear about that, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna end up connecting with the people that are gonna resonate you. You're not the resonate with you. You're not gonna end up you know connecting with potential opportunities that fit for you. So the more you take that time to really figure out what what makes you tick, um, the more it will benefit you as you move forward with all of the other things that you can do on LinkedIn.
1: So with that said, there's things to do and things to not to do. What are <laughs> yeah. three things that you would say, definitely don't do this on LinkedIn? So I have um, I have my own personal um, approach and
2: strategy, which I hope we can kind of touch on around networking in particular. And then so I think that that, that kind of, uh, is the lens through which I see what not to do. So I think of relationships as reciprocal. I would say do not ever message anyone to connect and ask for something simultaneously. Uh, I get it all the time. Like, can you reference me for this job? Can you give me a free access to premium? Can you, so literally asking for something, I think the biggest, I'm the biggest proponent of reciprocity. So if you ask me for something without giving me something in return, I'm really not as interested in assisting you. I I mean, introduce yourself, tell me who you are, what drives you, anything. Um, So I get a lot of those requests and I would say, don't, don't message um, if you're trying to connect with someone and asking for, for something before even starting to build the foundation of a relationship. Um, I would say the second thing is don't don't message someone to connect, uh, or at least don't attempt to connect with someone without putting a message in that connection request. I'm sure you'll get, uh, in some cases, accepted as a connection. Um, but I think what happens is a missed opportunity to use your voice. Uh, When you're trying to connect with someone, being really clear about why you want to connect with them in a message Mm -hmm. as succinctly as possible is instrumental to giving yourself like your voice and really directing that, that potential relationship. Um, and then the the third one is that, you know, don't use it for anything other than building a professional network. I mean, it's <laughs> not a dating
0: um, <laughs> You just took the words you know. right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the first tip you gave because it reminds me of a conversation and actually an episode that Kelly and I just recorded talking about reaching out to others to build your network and your mentors and, um, I was saying in in that discussion where you just especially if there's someone you kind of admire or know from a distance, or maybe you don't know them at all, but have heard things and you just don't go up to them um, or, you know, in person or now, you know, it'd be virtually or through email or what have you and say, will you be my mentor um, without First off, you don't do that because I compared it and I just said, it's like going on a first date with someone. And at the end of the date, or even in the middle of it being like, will you be my boyfriend or girlfriend? And you're just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> like, like, you know, you got to whine and dime me a little bit. But I think with the mentorship, it's like her and I had the discussion, um, tell me a little bit why you want me to be your mentor. What, what value do you think I could bring to you? Have a little bit, right. And then I may be more open to that, especially for people that I'm not familiar with. So my tip was just like, you know, you got to start building that foundation and just reaching out and saying, Hey, how are you? I admire, I saw your post on this. I agree with this And, and starting to build that and asking questions here and there. All right. So you just gave us lots of good tidbits on how to use LinkedIn and how not to use it. So just a little bit of maybe of a deeper dive of how can our listeners or even ourselves for that matter um, better leverage LinkedIn to start building that mentoring network or our tribe. We like to say, like, what steps should they take? And I think you kind of covered it in a, in a couple of different ways of how you just answered some of the questions. Was there anything yeah. additional you'd like to add?
2: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple of steps that I use. I, I like to call it my, my three steps to reciprocity and just enough I love mentoring tribe. I mean, I love that, uh, that concept. I use the board your own board of directors, but I think mentoring tribe is so much better. Um, so the way I look at it is it is very much influenced by um, my relationship with my father. So uh, you know, years ago, when I was a child he asked me if I wanted to go for a ride um and I you know I was excited I was super stoked you know going for a ride with my dad meant there was going to be an adventure we were definitely going to stop at the local Tim Hortons I was going to get a donut um so <laughs> uh, as we drove for what seemed to be hours we ended up going um into this farming area I had seen things that i had never seen before you know horse and buggy women wearing um gray outfits with uh these uh you know what looked to be very odd hats and we ended up going to this house and as we drove up and parked my dad asked me to grab this box one of several boxes he had in the trunk we went you know as we approached the door um we knocked on the door and this gentleman's came out and all I remember is this super long beard and you know my dad introduced us and they began to 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 chat with each other, and I kind of drifted off, so I don't remember much of the conversation. But I do remember as we proceeded in back to the car when we were done. um, You know, I'd asked, "Who is this? Why are we here? What's going on? What is this all about?" Um, And so he proceeded to tell me we were in an Amish community, and that he was actually reaching out to all of these different farmers because the upcoming hunting season for deer was was fast approaching, and he was looking for a place to hunt. And so. He would go to each one of these different farmers and bring a big box of goodies, you know, uh, you know Italian sauces, uh, different breads that my mother had made, just a big, you know, basket of things. And uh, it was through that kind of reciprocity where he would offer the basket, ask if he could have access to their land. And if they said no, he was totally OK with it. He wanted to continue to maintain those relationships. And he still does like 30 years today. Um, he's still maintaining those relationships. So I think that had a huge impact on me seeing it as a sense of reciprocity. So when I'm forming a professional relationship, I, I think it's essential to show that you're an asset to the other party. When you connect intending to offer value, you give the person a reason to continue to communicate and connect. So if the individual feels used from the beginning uh, they're not going to want to have a relationship with you. So for me, it's not transactional. It's really important to give. And so the way I give is I, I use a three, three stage process. First, I find the people that I want to connect with. And you can find them in a multiplicity of ways on LinkedIn. You can use the alumni tool and go to your, your, you know, your your different um, academic institutions that you visited or you were a part of or you were engaged with and find different alumni who might be in the similar industry or a different industry that you're interested in looking at, um, you can go to different groups on LinkedIn. Um, you can find people who might be in similar um, areas of interest or who might be interested in, um, you know, industries that you're curious about. You can go to different company pages. You can find employees grouped in a company page uh, who, you know, recruiters that you might be interested in speaking with or other people who are in leadership positions that you might be in. You can even use the keyword search at the top and just use keywords to find different connections. So really understanding who you want to connect with start with that find action. And then the next one is is building a relationship. I call it building because I don't immediately reach out to connect. First thing I do is I follow. I follow in part because I want to curate my landing page when I jump in on LinkedIn and see what the people... who I've opted to follow are posting. Um, What that will enable me to do is engage with them. And I can give something as simply as a like to their post or a share or a comment. Um, So I'll do that a little bit over time. And when you follow someone on LinkedIn, they immediately get a notification um, that, you know, Jennifer Catalo is following you. So you're slowly building name recognition and you're showing that you're interested in what they're, what they're, Posting on LinkedIn, you're sharing what their thoughts are. Um, so you're giving. Um, at at a certain point, you know if you want to build a, a deeper opportunity for a relationship, then you can reach out to connect. But connecting by offering something. So if you have access to LinkedIn Learning, you can share a free course. Um, if you want to share an article um, or share. Uh, you know, a reflection about something that they did. Maybe they were, you, you saw them in a webinar and you want to share about the impact that that had. Um, and then the most important one that I think most people uh, uh, either forget to do or time gets in their way or, you know, life gets in the way and they don't, they don't prioritize time for it is nurturing a relationship. And LinkedIn has a great couple of ways that you can do this. Uh one you can tag someone on you know a post, you know, ask them for their insights. Um, you can praise their work. So when you go to you know post on LinkedIn, there are a number of different options where you can use like kudos and you know give praise to someone you've worked on a project with or give praise to someone for something that they've done. Um the other one is a, a skill endorsement party day, you know, dedicate one day per quarter where you just go to all of the different contacts that you've made and you endorse them for skills, you know, that will immediately know notify them that, that you have endorsed them again, making, keeping your name readily, um, uh, you know, present in their minds and then also posting recommendations. You know, I try to do that once a quarter, find someone that I've worked with in the past, someone I've mentored or who's mentoring me and, and provide them with a recommendation on their profile.
0: Oh, nice, nice, nice! I can't wait to listen to this again, and I'm gonna write down like everything you said and put in my notebook for to refer back to you later. Lots of goodies. So, is there a mentoring experience that you could share with us that impacted your life that has came about because of LinkedIn, or maybe want you know either personally or maybe an experience that someone else, maybe a colleague or friend, has shared with you? Yeah, I think um, I've been very
2: lucky over the last three years being at LinkedIn, um, being, being part of the LinkedIn Learning Champions program, because I have been able to mentor about 160 students. Wow! Um, wow. And <laughs> at least 50% of those students, these are students across Canada, and the United States, and at least 50% of those students' relationships were built online. I've never met them face-to-face. Um, we exchanged ideas through LinkedIn in mail, they would post their projects on LinkedIn and I would comment, share and, and and give feedback. I would introduce them to other people in my network, reference them for other opportunities. And what's interesting is these people have become almost like an extension of, of my family. You know, I was asked to attend one of my students' graduation ceremonies, join one of my students' new ventures. Um, support them in their job searching be a sounding board some of them text me at the wee hours of night I mean, students I don't know what their sleeping patterns are but they're not with mine. <laughs> but uh, um, you know feeling overwhelmed or frustrated I've been asked to attend an, a wedding with one of my uh, champions later this year and um, I've been privy to some special events in their lives like you know One of them is pregnant and she shared that information with me. So I think these are the types of relationships that are worth spending time on LinkedIn and cultivating for me. Um, They provide meaning, they're they're not transactional. I gain more, I think by offering sort of service uh, than I imagine I would have ever gained than of just asking for something. as a result of those mentoring relationships, I've, I don't know, I've been able, I've been enabled to really learn about myself as well, which I think is something that I didn't expect, um, from any of those relationships.
1: Very nice. That was very powerful. (laughs) Yes. It was a very moving story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, especially when you're talking about all the, you know, the personal relationships. And like you said, you nurture it and you grow it. And it's something that you, you go on forever with. And I, I, I'll say I'm kind of guilty of the same thing. Cause I'm like, if you're a friend of mine, you're friend for life. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just stay connected with people. I'm, I still have my best friend from the seventh grade and there's people that I just, I meet along the way and I just stay in touch with, but it does take a little, someone has to initiate it. If no one does anything, then it doesn't happen. And I tend to be the one that I just reach out. Like you said, and just how are you doing? Is everything going okay? And just staying connected with people because Um, it's a relationship building. And um, sometimes you're the one that can help them or sometimes they can have the information that you need. And an example I'll share with LinkedIn, um, when this whole pandemic situation happened, we had a huge meeting planned of a couple hundred people and we've never done a couple hundred people virtual meeting before. It's always been in the auditorium and and it was streamed. So um, I just put on LinkedIn and I said, hey, we're getting ready to host this big virtual meeting. Does anyone have experience with it? And I was astounded with the people who just DM me and said, this is what we did. These are the things you need to think about. And this is how we got success. So just a great, great, great networking tool. And the pers- one of the people that reached out to me, I just reciprocated and said, hey, I know an organization that is looking to do a presentation on the topic that you are um, an expert in. If they go forward with it, I'll reach out to you and let you know. So it's that, you know, um, like you said, so. That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. I remember when you shared that with me before, that's, that just shows you
0: what kind of like community and network it is possible to build through LinkedIn. So. I did have an extra question I wanted to ask you that is not really like networky or, or mentor related. But speaking of like LinkedIn Learning, sir, any thoughts you want to share maybe on the uh, future of virtual learning with LinkedIn Learning?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a uh, it's a pretty exciting time when it, when you look at the world of learning, uh, particularly uh, as a result of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Coming from the lens of, of, working, you know, with higher education partners, this is the, the tipping point uh, for online learning. Uh, Google just recently came out with a certification program where I think there are six different certificates that you can gain. Um, and uh, after you complete those certifications, Google has built out relationships with uh, companies that will uh, essentially recruit out of those pools directly. So you have this like oh, program, wow. almost Google University that's that's coming together. Microsoft is doing something similar. LinkedIn is on the cusp of, of issuing something similar with some of our pilots. We have a pilot program um, that is just finishing where no matter what you have as a background, uh, degrees, diplomas, or nothing at all, you can apply to this program, uh, complete the certification, and then get access to an interview for a customer support um, role at LinkedIn. So a lot is shifting in terms of how we're going to um how we're going to see education, how we're going to see credentials. And the more and more I'm hearing about it, the more and more it's really about, uh, you know, this, uh, this kind of like um, the new gold is skills. You know, what skills do you have? What skills can you demonstrate? And so um, it's going to be, I think for me, I'm just kind of sitting back watching everything that unfolds because it's super exciting. Education is, is, definitely one of those places that um, this is the time to make some really interesting change. Um, so I'm excited to see how LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn Learning plays a role in that, um, offering what have, have, have been uh, deemed as you know, kind of the new wave of education in terms of micro-credentials, um, and how that's all gonna fit together, how academic institutions are gonna address this. Um, a number of the industry, uh, uh, you know, co- the companies within industry who are looking to address this are, uh, are, are using a narrative that's really interesting. You know, uh, many of the academic institutions have a limited capacity. They're incredibly expensive, uh, incredibly long programs. Um, and so industry is seeing this as an opportunity to provide for those who maybe can't. Um, get a you know a traditional degree, um, and so there are, there are going to be some interesting outcomes of the way industry is kind of coming into the academic space, and whether academic the academic space is going to kind of try to hold on tight to their space, or if they're going to be willing to uh, adjust, pivot, maneuver, and change. So it's an exciting time uh, in terms of online learning.
0: Oh, it sounds like it. Yep, I just. I know, well, Kelly has an addiction to books. I had to cut myself off like a year ago of buying new books, but then like doing courses like on LinkedIn Learning and then other platforms, I had to start cutting myself off because I get so excited when I see stuff in my, I'm just like squirrel. Oh, I like that. I like that. I want, I just want to learn and and be like a sponge and so much. So I have to like kind of calm down. But yeah, I get excited when I hear stuff like that and new like partnerships or certifications. Cause yeah, it it, it's a the environment is changing Um, and I think COVID did bring that kind of to the forefront, but I think it's been a making in a couple of years now where education, yeah, it's nice to have. And obviously certain things you want people to have the education, you know, like doctors, lawyers, but then for the rest of us, I think there's a lot to be said for people who take additional learning or certification or certificate, you know, uh, certificate programs and having that skills and knowledge and not necessarily need that four-year degree. Um, and also for those, like you were saying, that can't afford it, it's out of their reach, but having these other opportunities available. So I'm excited about it. Um, I know I will be on the lookout for it and probably signing up for more things <laughs> and then getting my alerts. I have to keep up with it. So thank you. This has been wonderful. I could just, I could talk, I could keep talking and asking her like a million questions <laughs> about LinkedIn and
1: networking and, and mentorship. Oh, I agree. This has been fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, can we just keep on going for a few more hours? But I know, oh, yes. I know we don't want to keep you all day.
2: Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of the best ways to spend a Sunday. So,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, um, for being a part of the Mentoring Lab podcast. We appreciate you and especially taking time off on the weekends um, to sit and have this conversation with us about how to leverage, how to better leverage LinkedIn um, for building that network or mentoring tribe.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Mm
0: And for everyone out there, as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate you as well for being a part of our Work BFF Mentoring Tribe. Our movement grows through your support of our show, but also by all of us showing up and supporting other women at work through
1: our mentorship and our friendship. And you can find us on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. From your Work BFF Mentors, be safe, be positive, and tune in next week.